Welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mumpreneurs by mumpreneurs. Each week, we are diving into mum-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today, I am Michelle Ponvert, and with me is my co-host, Olivia Radcliffe. (laughs) And we decided that this episode, we should talk about our experience with launching, which is a huge part of, I'm sure, many of your businesses. And between the two of us, we've definitely gone through a couple different launches and launch strategies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Olivia, do you want to share about kind of the latest launch you did? And then I'll happily share my experience too. Sure. Yeah. So there are a ton of different ways you can launch a new product or a new service. And I think um, I've tried every single one of them (laughs) at least once (laughs) for my latest. uh, My latest launch actually was for my membership, the Mom Boss Society. And I did a couple of different launches for it. And I'll explain what those were. Uh, I started off with what um, I learned from Stu McLaren was a founding member launch. And I've I've learned this strategy from a number of different people. A bunch of different people have tried it. I've heard it called the the short and sweet or um, the secret knock (laughs) launch. There's a number of different ways to phrase it. But essentially what you're doing is you are asking your audience in a very short and sweet, simple post or email or some sort of question to your audience, whether they are interested in something. So you would say, hey, I'm thinking about putting together this thing that does this for these people. Are you interested? Raise your hand if you're interested. And that sort of launch approach is is a very soft launch and it lets people give that commitment of raising their hand without fully committing to buying something, you know, they're not going all in right away. And the benefit of that is you can gauge interest in something before you actually spend the time putting it together. Um, The downside to this (laughs) is what I've discovered. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly busy with my business and, and everything else, my two-year-old. And, and there have been times where I've given this you know short and sweet, hey, would you like to do this post? Gotten a ton of responses back and then been like, oh my gosh, now I have to hurry and finish putting this thing together because now I have all these people interested and the people pleaser part of me is like, I don't want to leave them on the line. Um, so... And then without having a ton of time in my schedule, it gets really, it gets, it, it stresses me out a lot. Mm, so that's, yeah. I, I tend to want to have it not fully made first, but have it at least outlined out, know what I'm going to be doing, know what I'm going to be saying, you know, what I'm teaching in that, in that thing before I put the offer out there. So yeah, I think that's a really interesting strategy. I did a similar thing when I first launched my easy website kit, which is like a template resource bundle, and I did pre-sell it. And the same experience happened to me. You know, it's it's a good strategy, and I think it makes a lot of sense to pre-sell things before you've actually spent the hours making them. But I had the same experience of like once someone had actually paid for it, I felt really up against the wall to suddenly make this whole thing, mm-hmm. and. Yes, you know, you can change 
what it is you're delivering. You can, you know, put a really far out deadline on delivering those things, but there is that sort of sense of responsibility we want to have as, you know, nice people and business owners and, you know, good customer service representatives to our own businesses that we deliver on what we're selling. And I, I agree, I found that very hard to balance with sick days with my little one and, you know, all the other things going on in my business and client work. And yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily do the same thing again, even though I think it is a really effective launch strategy. So it's funny you had the same experience too. <laughs> it's, um, it's I, I actually, okay, spoiler alert. I have a group program coming out soon and I'm planning on doing kind of a similar, hey, are you interested thing? Because it's a ton of work to put together but I'm also planning on having it mostly, you know, the framework crafted out and having it pretty much almost ready to go. Maybe not fully put together yet um, before I do that, just because I, I don't want to be in that position again of having to stress. Plus, there is something. Yes, you take the time to put something together, but then you take the time to like really make sure it's aligned with what you want mm. and where you are at that point in your life. I, there was one time I, I did this. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this and a ton of people are interested and get, I took money for it at that time. Just a, you know, short, yes, I'm interested in joining the founding group sort of thing. And then I started putting the thing together and was like, Ew, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. Oh no. <laughs> it doesn't feel good to me. And yeah. I, I refunded their money and, and it was it was what it was. But um mm. yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's an interesting thing you kind of bring up the sense of you kind of discover the thing you you're selling in the process of making it too. Mm -hmm. And I think that sense of pre-selling or you know, launching before you've made it works really well for a coaching group programming style of product mm -hmm. but when you're actually selling a thing you know not even going to physical products like I make a website template or I'm making like a resource that is a guide or pdf or something a little bit more tangible it can feel really weird to write promotional stuff to create graphics for something that doesn't exist yet when it is this very tangible thing and I find it kind of backwards sometimes for that type of product or that type of Thing you're selling when it is composed of more tangible or physical visual elements mm -hmm. it, it can be kind of weird to sell them before you've actually made them because you don't quite know what they are and you can't like telling people about a website template ahead of time is really hard because they don't know what it looks like and yes you want to know all the strategy but ultimately you want to know what it is that you're buying you want to see it right. so I think there is that kind of conflict of having it mapped out having an idea but if it's impeding the process of actually selling the thing or you end up promising to deliver something you don't like because you haven't gone through the process of making it, it can be kind of a, a catch-22, I found at least. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there are a few main components when it comes down to trying to decide what sort of launch style you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and the first thing is, I think it comes down to your comfort level and what your um, natural talents and weaknesses are. <laughs> and it's okay that everyone has weaknesses, everyone has strengths. And I think mm. the more we get to know those and accept those and embrace those in our marketing and our business strategy, um, the better we're going to feel, the better our audience is going to feel because they're going to mm. feel our confidence. 
Not to say that you shouldn't push yourself and try something (laughs) new. I think that's incredibly important. And if we didn't do that, then I would probably still not have a business, Um, (laughs) you know, but, but if you are, if you absolutely hate, hate, hate getting on video and you've tried it and it just isn't natural and you can't just get past that hurdle and you start to dread your launches where you're going to be going live and talking to all these people, well, then maybe you should start looking more at the pre-selling options. So you can kind of, I was thinking for a phrase, I was trying to say grease the spoon and I don't know if that's a real (laughs) phrase. I like it. I think I know what you mean. Like grease the runway, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) You're greasing something. (laughs) But you're, you're, yes, you're getting that runway ready. I don't know. Follow my metaphor there. Um, Ahead of time, so that you might feel a little more comfortable talking Mm -hmm. to a group of people you already know who are interested, or you look at more of an evergreen style where you have a pre-recorded something um, that you put out there. And that's, that's totally fine too. I've done, um, I did a whole workshop. Uh, that was pre-recorded videos ahead of time because I had a newborn at the time and I did not have the time to get on live with everybody. And, mm. I, and plus with the newborn schedule, we couldn't plan it you out. We wouldn't be able to plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you did the, I want to call it the pre-sale, the Stu McLaren style. Then you've obviously mentioned this evergreen style of launching where you've prepared everything ahead of time and kind of let it run in the background. I sort of tried a hybrid of those two in my last round for my website kit where I had a workshop. But again, with my son's schedule, I really was feeling anxious about showing up live. I love video. I'm very comfortable on video, but appointments are hard in this household. And I found really a lot of stress coming up to sitting with an appointment with the workshop live. So I pre-recorded it and I did what I called like, you know, a semi-live launch. And it was the pre-recorded workshop as if you'd showed up live and got the recording, but the rest of it was run like a live launch. And that was quite interesting. I don't know if I would do it quite the same again, but I really appreciated the flexibility it gave me to not bring my anxiety around scheduling Mm -hmm. into the launch. but yeah, that was kind of a hybrid. So I'm sure you've you've tried some other stuff too. I wanna I wanna hear the other things you've tried. Yeah, no, I, I did do a hybrid model like that as well, where I had mm. a pre-recorded challenge for people to do. Um, I had you know all of the video content pre-recorded, the emails, the workbooks, you know, everything they had access to. I dripped out throughout the week and it was it was all pre-scheduled, pre-recorded. Mm. And then at the end of the challenge, I did jump on live with them for an in-person workshop. Um, and that was something that I did not offer a, um, a replay for. They had to jump on live mm. if they wanted to be part of that section. And so that's, that's the other thing to kind of keep in mind um, if you're offering replays or not of your yeah. content, whether it's pre-recorded or otherwise. Um And so that, to me, the other component to kind of keep in mind, you have to keep in mind your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Another component to keep in mind is your audience. You know, what do they want? What works in their schedule? And how can you push them a little bit and create that urgency to kind of get them off the fence and make a decision towards one way or another towards getting your product? 
Mm, yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's something that's been on my mind a lot. I really believe in making, you know, websites accessible for all people, but also business. And I think I live in France, you live in the States. I have lots of clients in like Australia and the US and Canada and all over the world. And I've really struggled with that sense of live elements. I, I almost mm -hmm. am aiming for an asynchronous business here where people can interact and kind of get what they need from me and, and my kind of offers any time of the day, day or night for me. Um, but at that same time, you do need that sense of urgency to help people kind of like almost fight against their own instincts. Like you, you, you want to have people feel that sense of urgency, feel that sense of deadline because otherwise a lot of people sit in the indecision and not feel that sense of motivation to dive in and take the action and get what they need to get out of the purchase ultimately at the end if they're left with you know for example lifetime access to the replays lifetime access to the offer lifetime mm -hmm. access to the product there's no deadline there's no urgency for them to actually commit to doing this thing commit to the program and commit to the outcome so they don't get anything out of it compared to when there is that built-in urgency. So that's something I've been kind of grappling with too, the how do you keep the urgency while keeping that accessibility, that kind of global inclusive piece of the business as well. So I don't yeah. have an answer. I just, I'm exploring <laughs> that space. And I think it is a really interesting thing to consider too, as you said, like your strengths, your audience's strengths, and how can you make those kind of work together and, and be in harmony? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I deal with the same thing. Obviously, in the States, mm -hmm. I have a lot of people I work with over in the UK, in Wales, um, in Australia, that's probably the hardest time zone to connect with for me. <laughs> um, and even across the US, you know, people off in California, they're always a few hours ahead of me or earlier than me. I'm three hours ahead of them, whatever. So. We're on different times. Okay. I'm asleep when they're awake or vice versa is usually what it comes down to. And um, it's, yes, it can get really hard if you're doing a live component to something. Um, personally in my membership, I have a lot of members who are in the UK and Australia, mm -hmm. and we do a live Q and a session every month. Well, that's really, really hard to find a time that works with, first off, everyone's time zone and then everyone's busy schedules as mm -hmm. a mom. You know, there's all the school pickup and drop off and all these other things with their business. And then it, it just gets really hard to get that live component in there. Um, and we still try. So for something like that, where I know we have people across multiple different time zones and I want to do something live, I will do try to find a, a time that works, you know, this at least in the daytime for everybody, <laughs> um, at least not at midnight. Um, and then I do offer recordings for that. I'll mm -hmm. like for the Q and a session, I'll have people pre-submit their questions so that I can answer them and record it and they can still get the value out of it, even if they can't attend live. Um, which then brings me to what I think is the third component towards how you decide what a good launch should be for you. Um, you have your strengths, what your audience needs, and then it does come down to your offer as well. Mm. You know, what is it you're offering and how much of a runway does this offer really need? You know, if it's a $15 ebook, um, it might not require a full 
week long workshop. And I mean, you'll get other benefits from doing the workshop, but that might not be the best use of your time and your audience's time towards selling that ebook. But if it is something that's a little more uh, time intensive for them or something that costs a little bit more um, and time intensive for you as well, then that changes your strategies a little bit, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that is a really important piece is like matching the strategy to the product essentially that you're selling. And I've seen this happening quite a lot recently where the first step in that sales process is actually a paid workshop, a paid event, Mm -hmm. something like that to sell a bigger product group program or whatever. And I think that is an interesting evolution because it's obviously showing that, you know, showing up live is hard. There's lots and lots of things competing for our time and committing to that is becoming harder, I think, for people as business owners and humans to Mm -hmm. fulfill. And I think there is this understanding I'm seeing in the industry that if our time is so precious, if we pay to attend, we're much more sort of incentivized to show up and then primed for that bigger ticket offer. But that kind of strategy would make no sense for a smaller offer, say, a, you know, five to $30 or euro workshop to lead into a 99 to $150 or euro product makes absolutely no sense. You've already mm-hmm. had them invest most of that <laughs> money and energy in the sort of workshop piece. But for something in the, you know, one, two, three grand space, I think it's a really interesting evolution because I think that sense of live and the match between the audience's space and time and needs and, you know, us as creators is becoming more challenging to balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have done the, the small paid workshop or something before the introduction into a larger, okay, let's go deeper offer. Mm. And in my experience, that does work really well for the reasons you said of it, it, people have some skin in the game. You know, Mm -hmm. we have the options right now as consumers of so many different freebies and free workshops and free challenges and all these different things competing for our attention. And I will be the first to admit I'm a sucker for all of them. They all sound amazing. (laughs) I want to learn everything they have to teach and I will sign up and then literally look at my calendar and realize that I have five different things at the same time. And obviously I can't do that. And Mm -hmm. Then I feel bad because I've committed and gotten someone's hopes up and now I have to back up and it's just, um, but by having that little bit of, of commitment on their end by saying, okay, just pay this small amount. And it could even be just a dollar, $2 or, you know, something really, really small just to get them over that hurdle of, okay, I'm going to whip out my credit card and give you money. It does something psychologically as well of Mm -hmm. them saying, I'm into this. I am investing in myself. Um, And it really, it really boosts the, um, boosts the attendance rate in my experience. Mm -hmm. And then it does boost the conversions on the other end. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. There's a, sort of principle in web design around what we call micro commitments you know Mm -hmm. every step along that journey towards being a customer every time you ask someone to click or scroll or take an action you're getting them to sort of say yes in the smallest way possible to lead up to that big yes of making the purchase booking the call whatever it is and I think the same principle applies really beautifully to a launch it's that slow sort of 
accumulation of yeses <laughs> that lead up to the big kind of question. Um, yeah. So you mentioned sort of those principles and I'm sure you've had, you know, lots of different experiences with your launch. Do you have one that stood out as being like the best for you? Not necessarily in terms <laughs> of like money and outcomes that way, but like as an experience of launching, what's been your best one? <laughs> I mean, honestly, and I don't think you knew my answer to this um, ahead of time, or maybe you did. I don't know. Um, <laughs> honestly, launching our podcast has been one of the best launch experiences. And oh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's been so incredibly streamlined and it's a free, it's a free thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I mean, it's still a launch. It still counts. Oh yeah. Um, I definitely think it counts. <laughs> the way we went about doing it, um, we started off and we said, Hey, like first and foremost, one of our main things with this is it does not, it cannot add to our stress level. (laughs) It cannot add to our plates, which are already over full with our businesses and our families. Like this needs to be a fun thing that we're doing. It needs to bring value to others and it needs to bring value to both of us as well. And as long as we follow along those lines, it's great. We'll do it. And I think it's just been really, you know, the way we went about planning everything. We didn't even have a launch date in the beginning. (laughs) Like we were just going about like, okay, here's the next steps we need to do. We'll have them done maybe around this time. Let's touch base and see if we have them done or not. And um, it worked out really, really well. And although I would not recommend not having deadlines or (laughs) stuff, if it's a paid thing that like is going to bring in income and feed your family for a free thing like this, that was just all about adding value to the lives of our clients, then I think that's absolutely the best way to do it. What do you yeah. think? Oh, I mean, it's exactly the same response I was going to have. I, I enjoyed my launches for my products, but there's been something so different about not just launching something free, like you said, the, the stakes feel different. It just has been so fun (laughs) dare I say it and maybe that's a collaborative aspect of like getting Mm -hmm. to talk it out with you and kind of it feels like we've been playing a bit Mm -hmm. the sense of like let's play it making a podcast and suddenly one day it's real (laughs) um but it's also really I think lent into both of our strengths and we've sort of maybe unconsciously just sort of flowed quite beautifully together towards the end goal of this launch and I, I hope to kind of carry that through to my other launches of what excites me? What's getting me like up in the morning? What's making me stay up late? Not in a good way, but you know, like <laughs> stay up late on purpose because I'm so excited to do the thing. And what can we add to make this more fun? What can we make to add this more joyful? I think that energy has made all the rest of it so much easier and so much more fulfilling, at, at least on my end. Yeah. And I think there's some really big lessons to take in that. You know, we were launching this this fun free thing that was all about adding value and if you can take that perspective and shift that towards your paid offers as well you know there's nothing about your paid offers that says because you're getting money for it it has to be any less fun or that if there's you know the stakes are that much higher or that it has to be stressful or something you know what you are putting out you know free paid low ticket high ticket whatever you're putting out is coming from a place of trying to serve others and trying mm. to help better their lives and help them make that transformation. 
from whatever, where they are now to where you hope to get them to be. And if you look at it from that perspective, then I think it takes a lot of the pressure away (laughs) of just, you know, I'm doing this thing to help others, period. And I think it's that sense, like you said, of bringing, bringing the fun back in, you know, we are our own bosses. We are building a business that we want to be mm-hmm. you know, in and work on. And I think it can get really easy to lose sight of that when you're, you know, let's say working with clients all the time or feeling stressed about your financials. And when you can kind of find a way to trick your brain into not thinking about that stuff, whether it's because it's free or just somehow you manage to kind of make the process the fun part. I mm-hmm. think it, it just flows so much easier. And I hope that the outcome is also a lot better because it's, it's so much easier to respond to people. Like when I see others launching, when I can tell they're having fun, when I can tell they're in the element, mm-hmm. I'm way more compelled to keep following, even if it maybe isn't an offer I need. Mm-hmm. I'm very drawn to that as a, like as a person, it's fun to see someone having fun. And I think that's, it's something we should all hopefully keep in mind as business owners because we are our businesses. Most of us, we're all personal brands and it's yeah. us who are putting out there into the world. So I do think it's important to like put the best part of yourself forward, lean into what you are excited about, lean into what comes easy for you. Sure. You have to do all the other stuff, but like leading with that in the launch, I think can only be a good thing. I agree completely. And it's definitely, like you said, you can feel that energy when someone mm-hmm. is having fun and they're not taking themselves so incredibly seriously. If someone messes up during a launch, I am actually more inclined to buy from them <laughs> than if they are absolutely perfect, strict, like on the point, like mm-hmm. nailed it entrepreneurs. You know, I, actually something I just did a training with um, with my audience recently talking about how, uh, you know, the thing with superheroes is, it, you know, their strengths and, you know, their superpowers and stuff are awesome, but they're not relatable, right? Mm-hmm. What we relate to when we think about typical superheroes, and I'm showing my geek a little bit right now, um, <laughs> but when you think about that, uh it's their origin stories. It's their human aspects. It's their weaknesses that really gets you, you know, attached to them. And for me, it's the same thing with all the entrepreneurs I see. Me too. Perfectly posed person, like has everything going right for them. I'm more inclined to be like, all right, you don't need me. You're good. I don't really want to work with you, but yeah, I'm exactly the same. I think it's very telling how you spend your money in your business, mm-hmm. like who you want to work with, who you want to invest in kind of shows what you value as well. And personally, I've never bought a big name course program, anything like I'm just not attracted to, like you said, that perfectly polished person. It doesn't appeal because it it's unreachable. It feels like it's other than my experience yeah. of business. Unreal. And I'm, yeah, like I'm not interested in that. That's also not the business I'm trying to build. Like I don't want to emulate that, but give me someone who is real, who's got the kids in the background. Like Mm -hmm. I I think they're like a step or two ahead of me. It feels achievable. It feels reachable. And that's the kind of aspirational stuff that I can't like hand my money over fast enough because Mm -hmm. that seems doable. It seems like something I can actually accomplish and I want to put my money and my energy towards that because it feels like something 
I can do me, you know, in all my messy realness. Um, so I think that is sort of something to also keep in mind as you put together your own launches. Like if you're striving for the Amy Porterfields and Mary Folios of the world, sure, that is a great standard to try and achieve. But is that ultimately what your business is, what your business should be or wants to be and who you want to attract? Like, are you looking for those people or maybe is your messy mumness like an mm. asset and something you should put forward because that's who you want to work with and who you want to portray your business as. Yeah. It was a big shift the day I realized I am who I am in my business <laughs> and I don't have to be anybody else. Mm. And the day I made that shift, you know, things skyrocketed. And that's so I think that's an important shift for, for yeah. people to kind of lean towards. Mm. Well, I think we talked about the highs and I I think there's a lot of lessons we've learned from that. Uh, Before we wrap up, I feel like it'd be fun to leave with like a little, let's say horror story lesson. (laughs) Some of the the mistakes that we've made so that others can maybe learn from them and not make them as well. Where to start? There are so many. (laughs) I can go first if you want. You go first. Uh, I feel like my biggest let's say flub when launching was actually when I announced my business itself. I'd been dreading the idea of freelancing again. I My background is in film. I've always been some kind of contractor. I've never had a, a regular job. And I thought I was leaving that forever, decided actually, no, I need to be in charge of my schedule and decided to launch this business. And I got some very well-intended advice to reach out to my family and friends first to announce the business. Mm. And you know, I'm all for stepping outside your comfort zone, but that's like 12 steps further than I was willing to go. I don't like mixing family, like my mm-hmm. extended family with my business. I love this sense of being fully in work mode and fully in life mode. And that separation is really important to me. And I stepped out of that day one of my business <laughs> and it felt so inauthentic. And I emailed like all my uncles and my aunts and like extended family. And it was the most uncomfortable thing. And everyone was lovely, but it did nothing for my business because I hated it. And I felt mm. so out of my element. And I think it was, as you said, a very good lesson of like, well, that wasn't me. That wasn't for me. I will never do that again. <laughs> I, and it's helped come, you know, over some of that bridge of being public and being visible. But for me, I think it was an important lesson of like, okay, some of those you know bits of advice can be really great for certain people. That one wasn't for me. And I, I think the lesson for me was very much like listening to that gut. There's a stretching and then there's stepping over the boundaries. And that one was, was one step too far for me. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. Um, I can, I've, been there also and I can appreciate what you were saying with that and I yes I and I have learned do not don't talk with my family about business stuff because inevitably they will say why are you doing that you're charging that much mm-hmm. really and then I start to doubt myself and so yes. yeah well they just don't less. understand what we're doing and the chances of getting a quality referral from people yes. who don't understand what it is you do are very low. Very, so very low. Yeah. Low returns on that effort, I find. I think um, my, my, my worst experience with the launch was I had joined this program and I did it for all the wrong reasons because mm-hmm. they were promising, you know, boatloads of money in a short amount of time. And, you know, the reality is 
is there is no silver bullet solution. There is no quick fix that can, you know, can take over what you get from experience. Right. Yeah. And I joined this program. It was a thousand dollars and this was early on in my entrepreneur days. So it was a big, huge investment for me at the time. And, um, and I got into it and what they were having me do in the program was just, it did not feel good at all. You know, they, I had to use their specific wording and I'd say, well, I would never say that, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't put it that way. That's like, mm-hmm. that's tricking someone like that's a bait and switch mm-hmm. right there. Like, I don't want to do that in my business. And I asked for a refund because they had this guarantee. And I was like, I, I want my money back. Cause I don't want to launch that way. That's not who I want to be as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And obviously because I didn't do their methods, I didn't get my money back. Um, but it was a good lesson for me to learn. You know, it really mm-hmm. got me in touch with what I do stand for in my business, yeah. what I do want to portray, how I do want to act with people. Um, and what I absolutely do not want to do. <laughs> and I am all about authentic marketing. And so kind of along the lines of what you were saying, you know, something that was okay, it was a big stretch for me. And it was too far outside of my zone. You know, it was so far outside of my zone that it wasn't even me anymore. And yeah. I think that's an important distinction to realize what is stretching you and helping you grow versus what is trying to turn you into a completely different person with different values. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then of course there are all those other mistakes of like wrong links and landing pages and webinars, not working, not being able to go live on zoom, you know, chat boxes, not connecting all those things that will happen at one point or another. Yeah. That's just part of it. And I think that comes back to the sort of human thing we talked about. I, I'm so forgiving of that. And I think Mm. when you're in it and you're the one launching, it feels like the end of the earth. And it's just to remember like you forgave that other person you follow when they had a flub or when they sent you the wrong link, it's no big deal. So yeah. yes, those happened. Yes, we try and like mitigate them as much as we can, but those aren't like ultimately the fails. I think the fails, like you said, are when it's just inauthentic to yourself and not aligned with the brand and the business you're actually wanting to build. Those are the, I think, the big sort of unforgivables that you'll you'll sort of lose sleep over. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, this has been really fun. I feel like I've learned a couple of different ideas for launching. And I think there's a lot of different ways to think about it. You know, I feel like the the advice on the street, let's say, around launching is very prescriptive. It's like, you know, do it my way and this is how you do things. And yeah. I don't think it has to be so rigid. I think just like everything in business, it can be flexible. It can fit you. And like you said, I think those three principles were so key. It's like what fits you what fits your audience and then what fits the offer I think keeping those three things in mind is is really good guidance rather than like prescriptive orders on how to launch your offers launch your business whatever you're trying to sell yeah that's a key thing with my clients I make a point I never tell them you do this I would give them (laughs) some options and say you do what feels best for you and your business because ultimately no one knows your strengths, your business, your audience, what you're passionate about better than you do. Mm. So you can take whatever any guru out there is saying, and that's Michelle and myself included. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just take it with a grain of salt. Do what feels best 
for you. So, mm. yeah. Uh, well, this has been uh, another really fantastic chat with you, Olivia. I feel like we are going to have so much fun sharing more of these chats and chats with other amazing business women that we are having on the show. I know because we are launching, we have a little sort of special message before we sign off. Olivia, do you want to take it away and share a, a little giveaway? Yeah, so, you know, we are so beyond excited for this launch and everything we're, we're doing and reaching out to all these ladies watching and, and any men watching or listening as well. Um, so we decided that for this first week and this first episode, we are going to um, have a, a little bonus provided to you. So if you listen to this first episode within this first week, um, we have a couple of freebies we want to give you. So if you go to www.michellepombert.com slash podcast hyphen launch hyphen giveaway. And I will make sure all of that is in the notes, the transcript of this podcast. Uh, because to be honest, I don't even know how to spell Pombert. <laughs> it took me a while to Not figure out how to even name. say your name, Michelle. So. Um, but we have a couple of really, really amazing bonuses there that we just want to gift you for, you know, for joining us on this experience. Well, thank you again for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. We will be back next week with some amazing content for you. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mompreneurs, we'd really appreciate a rating or even just telling a business friend about the show. We'll be next back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. Until then, take care. Bye.